Recorded live. Hello, folks. This is Jörg Lissmann once again from YouTube channel Jogler 66 on another broadcast on Hour of the Truth this evening on the 4th of June 2015, Thursday, as we regularly most do our broadcasts here. Today we will continue the reading of the wonderful booklets that um, Walt Stickel from Grand Design Exposed put together, the Vatican Jesuit Global Conspiracy, and we will start dealing with the Chapter 2, the Jesuits today. But before I will read this, I will first turn it over to my good friend and brother in Christ, Walt Stickel, over there on the Oregon coast on the United States of America, to give us a little update what he's busy with all day in all the days that uh, we don't see each other. So, Walt, give us a little update. How are you doing? And welcome to the show. And, and, and thanks, Short. It's, it's, well, it's kind of exciting now. We're only doing this broadcast once a week, and we're to the listeners, so we, uh, we have a little break at 45 minutes because uh, these, this broadcast is being put up on Blog Talk also. But, you know, uh, as time goes on, when I get up in the mornings, and some of the things that I've been learning the last couple of years, you know, you learn in waves. And uh, uh, one thing I, I want to really be, I, when I listen to a broadcast that I've done, I, I realize sometimes I, you get to a point and you could paint it a little clearer picture. And I, what I want to paint this morning is I, is I want to uh, talk a, a, about, and it's going to lead into this. First of all, I'll tell you, where I'm going to start with is we got, I got another response uh, from a listener, same listener, but I just want to, uh, this is what I'm going to lead into here. He says, thank you for the show list for Tom Fress and the reading of Rulers of Evil. I've listened to all of them and have been blessed by them. I consider myself now someone who believes in the historicism, historicism, histor, help me, York, historicism view, and no longer believe in the futurist lie. I'm still historicism. Yes, I am still trying to gain understanding about it, but I am convinced the Pope is the Antichrist. I'm also convinced there is something terribly wrong with Eric Phelps and no longer will send him money or support him. But he never mentions the reformers' view of the Pope being the Antichrist is very strange to me. And of course, he holds very clearly to the futurist lie without and talk of its origin. Then there is his belief in Washington being a Christian, an absence of talking about the carols. Then him saying Tupper Saucy was false. Pinto is false. I will likely only find more evidence as time goes on. Yet this is enough for me to see he isn't sincerely exposing the Jesuits. And that's exactly what I wanted to make clear. You know, when I'm, I'm going to mention a big list here. You know, Alex Jones, the Hagmans, Steve Quayle. There's a list a big long list. Eric Phelps. There's one thing they all have in common. You see, in other words, it's not what they're saying, it's what they're leaving out. 
Always remember this. And so, so when you're when you're watching Alex Jones or the Hagmans, you can fill in be- the blanks. They'll take you to a certain part, and boom, they stop because the word Jesuit is not in the vocabulary. And one thing I want to stress that I, I've been listening to our broadcasts, the one thing that we, besides just putting the word Jesuit in your vocabulary, when you hear the word Jesuit, it's counter-reformation. And the counter-reformation come from the Reformation, and the Reformation is because of Romanism. And so now it's very clear that in September 23, 2015, we have a Jesuit, a counter-Reformation Pope coming to speak. Now, the Reformers, if we go back to the Reformers, we go to the back, let me name some of the Reformers. Luther, Swingle, Erasmus, Tyndall, Knox, Calvin, Lattimore, Ritley, Cranmer, Hooper, all of these men, and there's many more. This is real important to understand this point, and I want to go slow so we, we see how big this is. You see, every one of those reformers, and I'm going to read two paragraphs Two paragraphs of a book that's called The Origin of Dispensational Futurism and its Entry into Protestant Christianity. Now, remember when I, this listener talked about listening to Tom Fress? Tom Fress, over a year ago, read this, read this little pamphlet. It comes, it's written by H.C. Martin. It can't be found on the internet. I had a friend send it to me. And it comes from Australia. Because I got an address at the top. And this will be on my webpage here in the, in the near future. I, I put it up on the web. But I want to read the first two paragraphs of this book. To, and, and remember, I just give you a list of reformers. Now, this is what these men believed in. It says, Today, many Protestants have departed from the Christian interpretation of the prophecies in the book of Revelation and many other passages in the Word of God. Church history has not left us in ignorance concerning the dispensational interpretation of the book of Revelation. Every Protestant should know and spread the following startling facts. The facts of these men of the Reformers. Now, this is the next paragraph. Scholarly Dean Henry Alford informs us the Futurist School of Prophecy can be traced to the Jesuit Ribera in 1590. It was invented for evil purposes to protect the papacy and to confuse the Protestants as to the true meaning of Revelation. This scheme is not to be 
is, is to be commended for obvious reasons, is not to be commended for obvious reasons. Now, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a quote on the preface of the papacy is the Antichrist, a demonstration by J.A. Wiley. What I'm about to read to you from a Protestant historian is exactly what all the reformers taught. Now here is J.A. Wiley. And this is out of the preface of the book. He says, the whole economy of redemption and the whole course of history are the broad substructions on which the argument is based and built up. And the author humbly submits that it cannot be overturned or the conclusion arrived at set aside without dislocating and shaking the structure of both revelation, Daniel and Providence. The same line of proof which establishes that Christ is the promised Messiah Conversely, applied establishes that the Roman system is the predicted apostasy in the life of Christ. We behold the opposite of what the Antichrist must be. And in the prophecy of the Antichrist, we are shown the opposite of what Christ must be and was. And when we place the papacy between the two and compare it with each, we find on the one hand, that it is the perfect opposite of Christ as seen in his life. And, on the other, that is the perfect image of Antichrist as shown in the prophecies of him. This is J.A. Wiley speaking. We conclude, therefore, that if Jesus of Nazareth be the Christ, the Roman papacy is the Antichrist. That's what's happening on September 23rd, 2015. The biblical, historical, and prophetic Antichrist is going to speak to a joint session of Congress. And this is what's been taken out of our education by the Jesuits, the Counter-Reformation. And now, the comment on the listeners and Eric Phelps and all the ones that don't, that, that are looking for a, their futurist. I, I don't say don't listen to these men, but when you are up on YouTube, when you're listening to the news, when you're listening to Alex Jones, when you're listening to Tex Mars, Jim Mars, when you're listening to these men and they can't tell you who the biblical, historical, and prophetic Antichrist is, they're deceiving you. They're deceiving you. And what what is God's word, what does God's word say about about getting deceived. I heard this last week. I was listening. I was listening to a man, and he said, he said, you know, the Christians are so gullible. 
Well, organized religion is gullible. But if a man is reading his Bible, 1 Corinthians 3.18, let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. Ephesians 5, 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, 3. Let no man deceive you by any means. For that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And the man of sin singular, be revealed, the son of perdition, singular. Here's 1 John 3, 7. This is the Messiah speaking. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. And I heard the same man say, you know, Christians always want to point a finger. Yeah, you know, and there's three looking back at you. No, that ain't, that's not the that's not the scripture. What is what does the Messiah tell us in that? Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. To know a, a righteous man, he's got to have the truth. I heard another man this last week, say this. He said, everything is a lie. Everything we see is a deception. We, everything we've seen. Yes, there's a lot of truth in what the man said. But not as, not as a, a biblical Christian. We're not deceived, but there's one billion point two in this world that are gullible. And you can throw the evangelicals into the bowl with them. And they are gullible. Why? Because they have turned their backs on the reformers. They will talk and talk and talk. Eric Phelps was on the Hagmans. You say, well, the Hagmans, well, he talked for he talked for an hour and a half about the Jesuits. Not once did he tell them who was the Antichrist, because he's a futurist. He's a futurist, and the Antichrist is coming out into the future. That is is the dividing line. Text Mars. When I was out in the truck from 1991 to year 2001, I bought every single book that Tex Mars published. You listen to Tex Mars today, and you will, and if you, if you cannot, when you ask somebody, who is the biblical, historical, and prophetic Antichrist, and they stutter, they don't know. They're deceived. They're gullible. Is the Antichrist hiding? 
He's got a fish hat and red shoes, and he's coming over here in September. And with that, to understand this, and York, York right now is reading Rulers of Evil. He's up to Chapter 7, and I can't think of a better book to read right now. To really understand. And you see, once you have the truth, you don't have an excuse. I've shared this truth with some men, and they're still preaching a lie. Well, they call it the boogeyman. They'll, oh, there's a boogeyman out there. Ever, you know, but they'll never, they'll never mention who the boogeyman is. And so with that, York, I'm going to ask you a real tough question. Come on. Who is, who is the biblical, historical, and prophetic Antichrist? Every pope in succession. Absolutely. The office yes. of the papacy is the stool of the Antichrist, and every pope who sits down on that stool or on that throne is doing blasphemy in the greatest, thinking he is God on earth, and acting like he is God on earth, and as the Roman Catholic Church itself states in the encyclopedia, and in one of their bulls, actually, they say that the Pope is Jesus Christ, only hidden under a veil of flesh. Since Antichrist doesn't always have to mean against, but it means in the place of, and the Pope's title in Latin is Vicar, Vicarius Filidei, Vicar of Christ in English, the placeholder of Christ on earth, there you can see that he identifies himself as the Antichrist. And to our listener who wrote you that email, if he has any question about who the Antichrist is and anybody else who has any even very small doubt on identifying the Antichrist just based on the things that we say here, I ask you to turn to my channel, Juggler66, on YouTube. Go to the playlist, Characteristics of Antichrist. And there, when it is completed, you will find 11 parts where we identify at least 26 characteristics of the Antichrist. And when you've done listening to all these 11 broadcasts or watching these 11 videos, you will have had an education on just 26 characteristics of Antichrist for about 30 hours worth listening. And the point is that after that listening, you still say, I do not know who the Antichrist is then you are spiritually dishonest to yourself and to our Lord Jesus Christ. Min took the feather to write down the book that was inspired by the prophets, that was the word of God given to the prophets through them, and they wrote it down. If you think that God... Well, let me phrase it another way. When you, when you look... When you read through the Old Testament, you have so many hints on who Jesus Christ is. God, from the beginning, it even started in the Garden of Eden. He wanted us to know who Christ is, 
who the Savior is. If I remember correctly, in Genesis, after the fall, when God speaks to the serpent, after she um, tricked, or he tricked Eve into eating from the tree of knowledge, God said, you will bruise his heel and he will, uh, he will tread, your, tread your head or something like that. That was already the first uh, vision that was given us to Jesus on the cross. The Seventh-day Adventists call it the Great Controversy. Ellen G. White calls her book the Great Controversy. That is the big struggle between God and Satan. And I can assure you it is not such a big struggle. God doesn't have any problem with that struggle. He created it all. He created even Satan. He is untouchable, invincible, all-knowing, omnipotent. Satan is not. Satan does mistakes. And so do his minions here on earth. They write books, encyclopedias and everything where they actually write that they are the Antichrist. They don't write it in these letters. But when you know the characteristics of an Antichrist, and then you read through these books, you will see that they leave traces everywhere. And it's a shame that the 1.2 billion people Walt was talking about, I guess that those were the Catholics that he meant, it is a shame that these Catholics just do not want to pick up a Bible. And of course, the best would be if they even picked the King James, the 1611 Bible. But even a corrupted Bible has here and there some truth in it. And even in the corrupted Bibles, you can, for a part, see the discovering of who the Antichrist is by the Bible itself. But only the King James is completely explaining itself. So when you have any doubts, don't believe Walt and his ranting on the Jesuits that he does weekly, and I can assure you that he does daily. And don't believe me, who I'm going along with Walt on that. When he is being accused of, hey, Walt, you see a Jesuit under every stone, yeah, that's because there is one. But one needs to pick up the stone and have a look underneath it, and most people do not want to do that effort. But when you do that effort, you learn that there is a Jesuit under every stone, and then you know who the Antichrist is. And now you can say, oh, I never cared much for religion in my life and anything, and uh, I, I don't care for that. I don't even believe in Jesus Christ. This is all just a fable to me. You know, I was like that for more than 40 years, I can assure you. But Bill Cooper said something that in the beginning of my studies really struck me. And Bill Cooper said, you don't have to believe in the stuff the elite believe in. But when you see that they are acting these beliefs out and you don't understand these beliefs and you don't have any idea what is going on and you never will until you start studying so what he meant was that we are not to underestimate our adversary, but first of all, that we have to know our adversary. 
And we are left so blind in this world today. I'm not talking especially about people who are on this broadcast because these people have woken up, but there are so many people who go out in the life and have no idea of God. They have no idea of the Bible. In fact, they have no idea why they are here. What are you doing here, living your life 20, 40, 60, 70, 90 years, whatever, how many times you're given? And then? Everybody wants to know what life is all about, and I'm going to tell you what life is all about. Whether you like it or not, I'm going to tell you. The answer is as easy as the question. Life here on earth is a trial. It's a trial to see if you are worth, if you are worthy. That when you grow up and you are being fed up by your, uh, brought up, sorry, not fed up, when you're brought up by your parents and they teach you values and you see these values growing in you yourself, you say, my parents say I must not steal and I think oh, that's the right thing because when I steal something from somebody else and I'm going to hurt that person and why should I do that? That person has nothing, had, 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 did nothing to me. And it's the same with lying and it's the same with coveting. It all comes back to themselves. So then just pick up the Bible and what does it say there? There are six rules laid out how men should treat men. And four rules how man should treat God, because God is the one who gave these laws. But the people today, very often, are depraved of the chance to get to know God, and to get to know His words, and get to know His laws. Only thing they know are the laws of men. Humanism, human rights, and whatever you want to call it. And everybody equal, and everybody the same. Hum kumbaya, let's hug each other and love each other because we are all the same. No, we are not all the same. We're all individuals. Some are smarter, some are dumber, but we are all individuals and we are all, we all are given the chance to enter the kingdom of God, eternal life. This is what this whole life here on earth is all about. It's a trial to see if you are a person who seeks the truth, and as Jesus said, when you seek the truth and you'll find it, it shall make you free. And that's the point. Because when you know the truth, you know who your friend is, who your father is, who your brother is, who your sister is, who your Lord is, then you will also find out who is the one that doesn't want you to know him. So, that person or institution then has to be your enemy. And just go to the top of any institution that you say that is hindering me on going to my friend. Go to the top of every constitution and it's a stupid saying, but it's true. All roads lead to Rome. And there you will come out in the end. So, just a little advice. Go to my channel, go to the playlists, click on the playlists, characteristics of Antichrist. There are, at this moment, nine videos uploaded, more than 20 hours viewing and listening to 26 characteristics of Antichrist. 
God was very, very making sure that he told us in the Old Testament who Jesus was so that the people then at that time could recognize their Messiah. And all through the, chapter, all through the chapters of Matthew, Luke, Paul and John, you will see that a lot of people saw it and you will also see that a lot of people rejected it. But it was made clear by the word of God who Jesus Christ was. Now, God must have been a very, very stupid God if he didn't tell us in the same way who the Antichrist was. But of course God is not stupid. He's omnipotent, all-knowing. And he knows every answer to every question that you will ever pose before you even ask it. He gives you all the tools that you need in his word. The book, the Holy Bible, the King James Bible, self-explanatory, like a fifth grader can understand that Bible. That is not with the other Bibles. See it for yourself. Don't believe Walt. Don't believe me. Check it for yourself. And when you've come and gone there and checked it for yourself and you do not come, to the same conclusions that Walt and I are coming here on this call, then you are spiritually not honest. And otherwise you will find out, because the truth is in there. Okay, Walt. Okay, we're going to start the book on chapter, on uh, page 19. Yeah, before, <clears throat> sorry, before I go start reading the first paragraph of um, the chapter we are reading today of the book uh, the, the Vatican Jesuit Global Conspiracy, The Jesuits Today. I will go back to page 17 and read the last paragraph of that. And that was the chapter of the Jesuits in history. But just it closes with because it's a nice way to come over to the next, to the next part. Okay. Okay. The Jesuits were the first effective counteraction against the progress of Protestantism that the Roman Catholic Church was able to wage. Yet few Protestants then and now fail to realize the eternal issues which are at stake at this battle. Grace and idolatrous works are mutually exclusive. Error is only defeated by the proclamation of the truth. It is never defeated by compromise, half-truths, or a failure to recognize its existence. I think this is a very profound little paragraph, and that's why I just read it to you again. And it's very important that you understand something that uh, another person said once. And think about this, explaining truth. Truth is independent of opinion by its very definition. Truth is intolerant of error. Every aspect petitioning the conscience for acknowledgement. The individual, however, holds the key to admission or rejection. End of quote. It comes from Mark Goodman. And rejection in this case is ignorance. 
And ignorance is being fed by the Jesuits through their spiritual exercises that you can see every day in television, in the mass media, and of all that evil work that's coming out of Hollywood. Truth is, as I just read, intolerant of error. Intolerant of error, by its very definition. But never forget, we are not all the same. We are all subjects, and we all look at this with our own opinion. But that's the problem. Truth is free of opinion. And if you are that proud that you cannot set your opinion aside by studying the truth and discovering things that you maybe do not like, that is the moment when you show real force, when you show real character in yourself. Showing real character means accepting a truth that you would never have thought that it, was, uh, that it would be like that because you were taught everything else in your life just the other way around. And to find the truth in this world actually is not so difficult. Just turn everything they say in the mainstream uh, around for 130 degrees and then you got the truth. I can show you that. Anyway, this last little paragraph I thought was a nice introduction to the next reading of the Jesuits today. I'm continuing on page 19 of the booklet now. Many Americans, of course, while paying half-hearted attention to such historical matters, are convinced that although there may be some misdeeds in history, the Jesuits of the present have changed. Others seem to believe that the intrigue of the Jesuits is needed today to counteract the communist menace. Now, remember, this book was written in 1985. So there was still the USSR, there was still communism all over in what is today called Russia at that time. But I just want to make the important point, and we'll get later in the reading to this also, that also communism was founded by the Jesuits. Karl Marx was overseen by a Jesuit. Karl Marx did not write Das Kapital, or The Capital, as you uh, probably know it in the English title. There was a Jesuit who wrote that. Like a Jesuit also wrote Mein Kampf from Adolf Hitler. That was Brother Stempfle, a Jesuit. So, but that actually the Jesuits always play both sides of the medal. Also the communist side is something that we will see later when we go into this book. G. Gordon Liddy of Watergate <coughs> fame was taught by the Jesuits and nowhere does he apologize for their teachings or for his philosophy of life which is based on the Jesuit teaching that the end justifies the means. This is where right taken out of the oath that we were speaking about on our last broadcast. In fact, the unashamedly advocates this teaching as the only way that America can survive. In his autobiography, he states, quote, Fortem, meaning the Jesuit University of Fortem, was a feast for the mind and a challenge to the spirit. To begin with, it was still under absolute control of the Jesuits. As much as I admired the German Benedictines, I admired the Jesuits more. The Society of Jesus was something special, the shock troop of the Catholic Church. He, end quote. 
But he goes on to say that Heinrich Himmler used it as a model for his dreaded black uniformed SS in Hitler's Germany, and that the SS swore a special oath of loyalty to the Führer, just as the highest order of the Jesuits swore a special oath of loyalty to the Pope. Liddy says later on that, quote, just as I do, John Sirica believes that the end justifies the means, end quote. I want to turn your attention for a moment to a website that is called the Vatican New World Order dot be. That is a website from a brother in Christ of mine, from Alan Lamont, who I don't have any contact with anymore because he's a futurist and he's a stubborn futurist and he is not spiritually honest. But he has a wonderful website, Vatican New World Order that I can everybody advise to have a look at. And here we have a comment that is a quotation from Hitler taken from Edmund Paris's book, The Vatican Against Europe. Quote, I have learned most of all from the Jesuit order. So far, there has been nothing more imposing on earth than the hierarchical organization of the Catholic Church. A good part of that organization I have transported directly into my own party. The Catholic Church must be held up as an example. I will tell you a secret. I am founding an order in Himmler, who would later become head of the Nazi party. I see our Ignatius de Loyola. End quote from Adolf Hitler. And I think this is very profound for people to learn. Adolf Hitler was a Catholic and he has never been excommunicated. Why, if he is so-called such a bad man, the Roman Catholic Church does not excommunicate a person like this? Something to ask yourself, right? Now, continue reading. He goes on to say that Heinrich Himmler used it as the model for his dread black uniformed SS Hitler's Germany. Ah, I just read that. Um, the Jesuits obviously have gained respectability, respectability in our time. They have come a long way since John Adams, the second president of the United States, wrote in a letter to Thomas Jefferson, quote, If ever there was a body of men who merited eternal damnation on earth and in hell, it is this society of Loyola, end quote. John G. Schmitz, who ran for president on the American party ticket a few years ago, was educated by the Jesuits. His education by the Jesuits was put forward as something in his favor rather than a liability. He also wrote the foreword to Gary Allen's book, Non Dare Call It Conspiracy, that we're already talking about here. So we live in remarkable times when Jesuit-trained leaders can write about conspiracy and be accepted not only by the general public, but by professed conservative Protestant Christianity. Jerry Brown, the governor of California, who has twice sought the presidential nomination, was also educated by the Jesuits. Again, this was not something considered a liability, rather it was advertised as proof of its moral fiber and strength of character. Times certainly have changed in America. Harry Reasoner, 
as he was signing off his nationally televised newscast a few years ago, also demonstrated how far the Jesuits have come in gaining complete acceptance in the United States. He told a joke about three orders in the Roman Catholic Church. It went something like this. The Dominicans, the Franciscans, and the Jesuits were all arguing about which other God, uh, which order God loved the most. They went down to the altar and were told that they would receive the answer the next day. When they went back the next day, there was a note on the altar which said, quote, I love you all equally, unquote. Signed God, S.J. Harry signed off, chuckling to himself. While we can appreciate the joke, we do not consider the Jesuits a laughing matter. For if the Bible is true, and we believe it is, then the Jesuit idea of salvation by works, masses, and ceremonies has led millions, and is still leading millions, or even billions, to, an etern uh, to a lost eternity. To those who cherish biblical truths and the freedom to preach the true gospel, the rise of the Jesuits to the place of complete acceptance and indeed power in the United States today does not bode well for the future of this great land. Everything that Protestant Americans hold dear will be forfeited if these men ever gain the ascendancy in this land. This reminds me of another interesting quote that I just want to read from you. To you, and um, that quote is from Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln said, "The war, referring, of course, to the American Civil War between 1861 and 1865, the war would never have been possible without the sinister influence of the Jesuits." That's how other people say it. So, I'm going to continue reading. Yeah, it deals um, with all wars. World War II, if it wasn't for the Jesuits, we wouldn't have World War I or II. Yeah. <clears throat> um, where did I leave off here on my text? The greatest proof. Um, ah, no. that's, there I have to continue. Yeah, okay. The greatest proof of all that the Jesuits have indeed gained complete respectability, respectability in the United States today <clears throat> is the startling fact that the men claiming to outline the global shadowy conspiracy that threatens the world should call in the leader of the Jesuits to substantiate and corroborate his thesis. No one informed in the area of church history would ever do such a thing unless he believed that the time had come when the Jesuits were no longer suspect themselves. Apparently, Gary Allen believes that this time has arrived. Millions of conservatively oriented Americans who agree with Allen are either totally ignorant of the historical record or believe that the Jesuits have changed. It can be said without fear of contradiction that whether or not one agrees with the idea of Jesuit conspiracy, no Protestant who has studied church history would ever call in the leader of the Jesuits to corroborate his view of conspiracy. The Jesuits have not only gained complete respectability in the United States today, but they have also gained great power. They own a controlling interest in the Bank of America as well as other financial interests. 
They are thus able to influence the Roman Catholic politicians to serve the ends of the Roman Catholic Church more vigorously. And we will look at the Vatican's vast financial empire in more detail in the next chapter. The Jesuits were involved in intrigue at the highest levels of the United States government. One minute. During the administration of John F. Kennedy, the Jesuits had access to the most powerful office in the world. The Reverend James Visit, an American Jesuit who served as a labor lobbyist in Washington, disclosed that in 1963 he was having lunch with another Jesuit, Roger Fekemans, a Belgian priest on assignment to Chile, when a White House car picked Fekemans up and took him to a meeting with President Kennedy, Attorney General Robert Kennedy and CIA Director John McTown, certainly three of the most powerful men in the world at that time. And we'll continue after the break and read what was said between these three men at that time. Just a few seconds break for part two now. Okay, welcome back to part two on Hour of the Truth. Still on Thursday, 4th of June, 2015. We are still reading in the booklet The Vatican Jesuit Global Conspiracy. We are on page 21, the last but one paragraph. And uh, this one goes as follows. Wizard said, quote, Roger came back with a big smile on his face and said, quote, I got 10, 10 million minus 5 million overt from AID, the Agency of International Development, and 5 million covert from the CIA. So I got 10 million. 5 million overt from the Agency of International, for International Development, and 5 million covert from the CIA. Yeah, probably from their drug trade or something like that. Since that time, some other investigations have shown that there was a Roman Catholic bishop on the payroll of the CIA in Vietnam as late as 1971, that millions of dollars were sent by the U.S. government to help the Jesuits in Chile, a country then beset by assassinations and intrigue and still embroiled in murder and mayhem, and that this writing still controlled by a Roman Catholic military dictatorship, speaking of 1985. Only the tip of the iceberg has ever been seen. It is obvious that the subject of Jesuit intrigue in the CIA has so far never been explored in any depth whatsoever. Licio Gelli, or whom some writers believe is the man who helps hold together the Vatican conspiracy, which is out to control the world, has strong links with the CIA. He is called Il Buratinatko, the puppet master. Yellop says of him, Quote, Jelly was the puppet master of a few thousand strings. The strings appear to have led everywhere, to the heart of the Vatican, to the White House, to presidential palaces, and a wide range of countries. End quote. And I remember in one of our broadcasts on Nothing But The Truth, Tom brought the name of Jelly up, and I put a picture in there, so check my playlist on Nothing But The Truth, and you will find more information about Lizio Jelly. Licio Gelli was the man who bought exo, uh, Exocet missiles from France for Argentina in its war with Britain. Yellop says that the Vatican indirectly founded Gelli uh, through Calvi and the Bianco Ambrosiano. Gelli was an honored guest at Reagan's presidential inauguration. Gelli, of course, has strong ties with Michel Sindona. He is the head of P2 
the mysterious organization founded in Italy, which functions in Argentina, Venezuela, Paraguay, France, Portugal, Nicaragua, Switzerland, and the United States. Interlocks with the Mafia in Italy, Cuba, and the United States, and also with military regimes in South, Amer uh, South America, and also within the CIA. And reaches right into the heart of the Vatican. So the tentacles of the Vatican power structure spread worldwide. Men come and go, but the organizations of the papacy perpetuate themselves and have done so for more than a thousand years, making the Vatican the source of the most formidable intrigue in world history. When Yelop sought to find out about the mysterious death of Pope John Paul, he said that, quote, The fact that men and women living within the heart of the Roman Catholic Church, or Vatican City, cannot speak openly and be identified, is an eloquent comment on the state of affairs within the Vatican, unquote. The Pope has called for the Jesuits to cease from their intrigue in Central America. On March 2, 1982, over 100 Jesuit provincial superiors, the leaders of the order, were called to Rome for discussions with Father Paolo Deza, the man the Pope had appointed uh, to oversee the order in 1981. You might say, too, that this was in 1985, and the present Pope was right in the middle of all of this. Uh, he, he was, you know... So. <clears throat> That's he, right. was, he was right in the middle. He was right in the middle of all this uh, stuff going on in Argentina and Venezuela. And yeah, and we know about uh, Pope Francis and his connections to um, the Pinochet regime. Yes, yes, you know, and uh, he is now presently coming. You know, and they're going to be pushing the the climate encyclical. Yeah, they have already drawn up a, a climate covenant. And, uh, so we'll have to do another broadcast in the future and and go over ex just exactly what he's going to be talking about when he comes here in 2000, when he comes here in September. Well, we will make more broadcasts on the yeah. Pope coming over, but uh, for the moment we are reading this booklet, and uh, I think this is also very uh, important information that has to go out to our listeners and our viewers out there. So, right. With your approval, I would like to continue reading on page 23 now. Okay. The Jesuits were accused by the Pope himself of engaging in, quote, political activism under the guise of religious duties, unquote. In the same article, the Jesuits were reported to be, quote, one of the primary groups controlling both extremes in Central America. Unquote. So the Jesuits are still in thick of the murders and assassinations which are being carried out by both sides in the war in El Salvador. The Pope, like others before him, is trying to curb their zeal to keep all, all factions of the war subservient to Rome. With the rise of the death squads, like those in Ulster, the focus of world opinion is forcing the Pope to do something to, to at least give the impression that he is not in favor of the murders and killings in El Salvador. But the high degree of Jesuit involvement with the extremists on both sides of the conflict in El Salvador is now a matter of public record. The extremists on both sides of this conflict are Roman Catholics. Roman Catholic Marxists, 
are fighting Roman Catholic conservatives. The church is charting a course that will enable it to identify with whoever wins the, uh, in the end. The acting archbishop said recently, quote, the left has, has lost its struggle against the government and therefore the influential church here must stay in a neutral, centrist position. <clears throat> End quote. The acting archbishop made this statement after killing of three Marxist nuns, ten Marxist priests, and the assassination of Marxist archbishop Oscar R. Romero. It was after this, uh, after this reign of terror by the Roman Catholic conservatives that the, quote, influential church withdrew to its neutral centrist position, unquote. It is obvious that the conservative wing of Romanism, which has a large representation among the North American clergy, is backing the right-wing fighters in El Salvador. However, some local Roman Catholic leaders are calling for the United States to back off in El Salvador. So it looks like another capitulation to Marxism is shaping up in Central America. Latin America sits on a veritable power, power gag because Romanism, which has been entrenched there for 400 years, has not brought a skin, skintilla, iota, uh, from freedom or justice to the oppressed millions who live below the border of the United States and well below the abject poverty line. Romanism has managed to keep the multiplied millions in such a state of miserable existence that if we have no hesitation in saying that if Americans rebelled against George III for his repression, they would have rebelled long ago against almost every government in Latin America. Instead, the United States bolsters the repression of Rome all over Latin America, paving the way for the inevitable revolution and liberation promised by the Marxists. It is time the United States stopped identifying with Romanism. But while the massive propaganda machine of Rome churns out its slanted coverage of the news, public opinion in the United States will enable Rome to keep its stranglehold on the people, either by repressive fascist governments, as in Chile, or repressive Marxist governments' dictatorships, as in Nicaragua. Not only that, but the Vatican wants the United States to fund the rebuilding of this region, while the Church retains control over the people. So, just to interfere here uh, for a second, it doesn't matter if a country is ruled from the left or from the right, when the church, who holds both strings behind the curtains, is the winner at the end. The end justifies the means. This is exactly what's happening in, over there in the United States of America today. The Americans are divided between Democrats on the left and Republicans on the right, and they do not see that the strings they are attached to are being played by the same person. So whether you choose a Democratic uh, candidate or a Republican candidate, you will always choose a Catholic candidate. And when you choose a Catholic candidate, you are not living in a Protestant country. How much of your Protestantism is still left to see that and to come to the truth and to act let you also see it. And I continue reading now. Ed Esner has been, has been blasted by many in the U.S. for his stance against U.S. involvement in El Salvador. Esner, of course, was the popular Hollywood actor in several recent television series. He was hounded into silence by being labeled a communist, 
or leftist, or worse, if, it, uh, if that were possible? What was it that brought down the wrath of a large section of the American public upon Ed Asner? Simply because he spoke out on the situation in El Salvador. What is the situation in El Salvador that Asner deplores? It is the conservative Roman Catholic death squads massacring hundreds of civilians under the guise of eliminating leftists. It is amazing that leftists are in the world today. Everyone who opposes Romanism is a leftist, Marxist or communist. The possibility of a protestant Christian opposing Rome is so remote today that apparently it is safe to label everyone who opposes Romanism as a leftist. A few years ago, a conservative West Coast commentator even called Paisley a communist. Oh, Ian Paisley. Okay, we are going into something very special right here. Um, do you remember who Ian Paisley is, Wall? Yes, yes. He was, he was the one who called the Pope when he visited, John Paul II, when he visited the European uh, Parliament, I think it was in the 90s, yes. he called him out as Antichrist, Antichrist, Antichrist. Three times he held up a banner and he called the Pope out for Antichrist. This spirit of Protestantism, I wish, would be there when the Pope comes over in September 2015 and speaks on a joint session of Congress on behalf of the so-called Protestant American citizens. Is there any Protestantism left in you? Is there Ian Paisley slumbering within you? And can you wake him up? I think this would be a very interesting broadcast to see the Pope speaking on a joint session of Congress. And something happened like a, half, a year and a half ago with the House stenographer, Diane Reedy, saying in the House, on microphone, and I have a video on that on my channel, God is not be marked. You cannot serve two masters. And the United States of America was founded by free nation, Freemasons. That's what Diane Reedy at that time said. So I'm not going deeper into that and the whole agenda that was maybe behind that and it was kind of false flag. That's all not interesting. Interesting is that Ian Paisley took it up for himself to hold up a banner in the European Parliament and call the Pope out for the biblical, historical and prophetic antichrist that he is. And he stood up for his beliefs and we have to stand up for our beliefs because nobody else is doing it. And if we don't get up, we all go down. There's a comment you want to make, Walt? Well, we have to, we have to stand up. We are here, but the, 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 um, the ears have been deafened over the years through education in, uh, uh, you know, and the, and the Bible tells us that there's only going to be a remnant. And I think uh, what we see getting ready to happen here in September, uh, we'll see proof of that because there will, you know, he will, he will get a standing ovation when he steps into the joint session of Congress. You know, and, uh, and of course, and they've already prepared the left. So uh, 
No, I mean, I, I mean, we do have to. That's this. This is what this broadcast is for: is to educate. I mean, it's it's not uh, the the news the, you know, to to understand what's going on. It's what I brought up on the early broadcast. You know that, um, in other words, uh, they have definite definite the the teachings of the reformers where nobody even knows that that the papacy is the antichrist <clears throat> because they don't care well they don't care you know it's that's a big subject to talk about but uh they uh, it's taken uh, you know i i believe that there's been an inquisition uh, uh it's not it's not if the inquisition is going to happen we've had an intellectual inquisition for the last for the last you know well, the last 50 years. Well, yes. Well, it's, with the starting of the Counter-Reformation world in 1545 with the Council of Trent. It's almost, it's, it's uh, I don't know, what is it, it's, uh, 470 years? Well, yeah, it's, it's, coming, it's coming up on almost 500 years. Uh, and, and, and as we look at this history, uh, this, this didn't happen. Uh, I mean, this, this deafening happened over 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 the years to to to, to now it what what i realized this book that we're reading here would be considered hate literature in a forbidden book because uh it, it it's got true history in it see it's got the history of the jesuits it's talking about and today this chapter we're talking about the jesuits today in uh, 30 years ago yeah Yes. Yeah. Thirty. He's talking about the Jesuits today, and now that that's what what uh, what uh, what pointed me towards this book is the fact that uh, when this when when Ronald Cook wrote this in 1985, I mean he had no you know it's it's he had no idea that there's a Jesuit coming in. We're going to have a Jesuit as a pope. You know, and he was coming to speak to this country. I mean, you know, it's 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 a it's a, it's a historical, especially for in, in, in for Bible believers. It's uh, we're 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 seeing prophecy. We're seeing prophecy. We're 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 seeing this this, this prophecy prophet. fulfilled right before our eyes. Right, right, bef- why, right before our eyes. That's why I called this video the Pope's visit to the United States in 2015 when the Lamb speaks as a dragon. Yes. Because then there is no hiding anymore. You know. You can no. discuss about when did the lamb start to speak as a dragon. Of course, in our opinion, that was 1776 because of the hidden founding fathers. Before there were the colonies, they were Protestant, they were, they were trying to live under the laws of God. But in 1776, that got turned around. So you can argue whether it started in 1776 or with the entrance in the First or Second World War or whatever. But the latest moment that it starts is when the Pope, the biblical, prophetic, and historical Antichrist, comes over there and speaks on behalf of the American people from, people, from the legislature of that country. That, the latest time is the point where you can identify that second beast that came out of the earth to speak as a dragon. Because it invites over the vicar of the dragon and there's there's as bad as this country has become 
you know, and, uh, you know, I'm not a, I am not a patriot and I don't need an AK-47 to protect me. God will take care of me and is my protector and my, it's all my faith. But, you know, uh, uh, it's, it's, it, it, you know, it still was, it was the, uh, uh, the best place. This country, even with all its ills, but the reason we've had all our ills right from the get-go and right why we've had an American Civil War and why we've had this continuous war is because, because Rome is running, founded this country, and it, today, it, it, today it, is on, it is in complete control and how do we know? We're just because you can't deny it. We can't deny it now because it's it's right out in the open. Two years ago, I, I used to be belittled by people and say, "Walt, you think there's a Jesuit under every rock?" And, and, and you know, but but even 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 today, even the people are not talking about the Pope coming to to to, to, to on September. You can listen to all these these alternative media. They're not talking about the Pope coming. It's because of it's in it's because of the great apostasy and the falling away. You know, in this this country, this country. You know, I, I'm just going to insert this right now. You know, I've been accused of idolatry. Why? for exposing the Pope, talking about the Pope too much. I've been called an idolatry, an idolater. So, you know, I asked the person that accused me of this, I said, what, what is the definition, the biblical definition of idolatry? I think this is a very important thing to say right here. You know, is 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 uh is what is you can ask the average person and I asked this person I said well tell me in an email I said tell me what is the definition of a biblical of biblical idolatry he went into you know worshiping your car too much or or worshiping money no 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 what is the biblical definition and and in the the biblical definition is the second commandment: "Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image." Or, see, you know, "Thou shalt not make up unto thee any graven image." An image, something out of a stick or a stone. It's not my car. My car is not an idol. I mean, men have lust. They lust after things, material things. But but an idol is a material. One of the biggest obelisks in the world is in Texas. All you have to do is sand, Jason, J-I-N. You know, you can you can come to it. It's 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 got a two hundred and twenty ton pentagram on the top of it. That's in this country. That is idol, idol, idolatry. 
The reason why we're in the shape is because of it. Of we're breaking God's second, first and second commandment. This country is breaking it. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children on the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. And boy, when you, there's even websites, you know, there's, we have 10 commandments, but the one of them is obsolete. I, I just wanted to ask you, Walt, uh, is it saying in the Bible commandments, there's an S, behind there? Yes, there is. I, listen, but I, I, I just have to ask you a question, Walt. Really stupid question. But we live under grace. Why should we need any law? Because we live under grace, right? That's what they teach in all the churches. We live under grace. Our salvation. The law, the law is done away with. That's what the Roman Catholic Church teaches. The Ten Commandments are done away with. Now it is time for the human laws to infest themselves. That's why you have all this humanism and this um, uh, environment agenda and all that stuff. Because God is taken out of the equation. They teach the wrong law has been abolished. Because Jesus did never made a way of the Ten Commandments. No. He made a way of the written, um, what is it called? Um, ceremonial laws. Uh, ceremonial laws that were placed outside of the ark. That law is done away with by the shedding of the blood of the perfect lamb, that is Jesus Christ, when he was on the cross. The other Ten Commandments are still working. But when the Roman Catholic Church and every church leader in the so-called Protestant churches today, because they have been infiltrated by the Jesuits, teaches you that the law is not in working anymore, it is because they put man's law above God's law. God's law is abolished, now it is man's law. And that's why you have to listen to man. That's why you have to obey to men. This is why they make misuse of Romans 13. In, in, uh, you know, in the definition of idolatry, the definition of idolatry is the Roman Catholic Church. The biggest it's, cult it, of them all. It's the Walmart of paganism. <laughs> the Walmart, yeah. <laughs> That's nice. And, and, and in other words, but into, but can you imagine how far we've gone? Where you, you know, where people want to overlook all of this. See, the more I study this, the more focused I get. And those obelisks, I I was doing some research because I'm going to put that biggest obelisk in uh, in Mystery Babylon, the biggest one, the one down in Texas. 
It's it's bigger than the one in Washington D.C. I forget how many. It's another it's another fifty sixty feet a hundred feet higher than you know. And they got a a reflecting pool. And they built it. They started it in 1939. The Washington Monument is more interesting because of its size, Walt. 555 foot high, yeah. 55.5 feet wide, and 55.5 uh, in length. And when you add 55.5 and 55.5, you get 111. And you add that to the 555 feet height, you got 666. Three score. Yes. 603 score and six. Yeah? Yes. That's why the Washington Monument is very interesting. Well, it's not the, not the biggest uh, uh, obelisk in the world. I even, dare, I even dare to say every tower they build right now is the same obelisk. Look at that Freedom Tower they built in New York. Or all these towers that build over there in Dubai and Indonesia and wherever in this new economy countries, China. Yes. Every skyscraper they build is a phallic symbol. And, and, you, and you know, you see, when you read the second commandment, and it says it finishes the commandments is thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. In other words, it means all ten of them. It means all ten of them. It, but it, people it, like to pick, you know. This is why they don't like the fourth commandment. It, it will, oh, that's done away with. So we are when, only having nine commandments right now. Okay. But, but, but the, what I've learned from this experience is the man really didn't know the definition of it. I, and listen, I'm going to be really honest with the listeners. When I was 19 years old in 1964, when I went to Washington, D.C., you know, that was a Washington monument. But you see, listening to the truth is dangerous. Because once you know the truth, you're held accountable. When I walked to the top of that obelisk in 1964, and I had a picture of me at every angle of that obelisk. See, I call it an obelisk now. That's what it is. It's an obelisk. It's not a monument. They, they built it as a monument, you know, but that's, that is, that is why we, we are in the, in the, in the condition we are is because the, the people, the people don't know the definition of, 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 of idolatry. Most people don't even know what idolatry is. I mean, in other words, they're worshiping. They're worshiping something that's a, a stone. L look at the, in the basilica, Peter's foot. If you look, at, you can look it up. I mean, there's been so many people rub that, rub that toe that it's run smooth. See, if see, it would be, let's say, let's say back in when I was 30 years old and I went to Rome. You know. It would have been for me to go in and rub the toe of of Saint of, of Peter, you know. I, I mean, God wouldn't have held me accountable because I was ignorant. But not now. I won't walk into any of these churches that got an obelisk on the top of them. I won't 
it's, it's wrong for me now because I know better, but the world doesn't. The world doesn't. And, and why, why are they ignorant? It's because the Jesuits, the G- Vatican Jesuit global conspiracy is to keep the people ignorant of the Bible. It's, it's, it's the Bible, the King James Bible that is, that, listen, the Reformation, we had light from the, from the Reformation on the outer rim. But the center of that light, the center, was the Bible. Because when the, when the Reformers, and they were all scholars, and they were well-educated, and when they finally got a Bible in their hands, and they could see who the biblical, historical, prophetic Antichrist was, it exploded. The product... The word Protestant didn't come around until around what year? Fifteen what? York. The, the word. Your pardon? The word. The word Protestant. We had the Reformation in you know fifteen seventeen Martin Luther, but the word Protestant did not come around until what was it? Just right at the after. Fifteen twenty nine. The Concile of Spire. Yes. Yeah, we were we were talking about that in the earlier broadcast. Well, it's, it's 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 real important, you see. But I I've been accused of idolatry, and I all I did I sent two emails back, and I wanted a definition, and he could not give me the definition. He wrote two pages. This is why. Why it's because they've been educated through the Bible colleges and the seminary, the seminary, the seminary, you know, I mean, this, this, all colleges, all universities, and see, they're not teaching the Bible. I even found out from a former Bible student that they had to sign a paper, that they were to teach what they were taught. I didn't believe it. I was told this. I asked the man, I asked the man on the phone, is that right? Listen, I've been blessed because I haven't been to a Bible college. And God has, give, God has given us the Bible, and, and Christ was the perfect sacrifice. You don't have to be a Bible scholar to understand the gospel. You know, and uh, so anyway, that's that, that's kind of a soft spot with me, and that's what this broadcast. I hope somebody learns from this. When some somebody, if you know, in it, you know, the Bible tells us to be slow to anger. Well, you know, when a man accuses you of idolatry for exposing the papacy. I'll tell you what it is. That's postmodern thinking, postmodernism. You do a little search on what the word postmodernism is. They teach it in every single university in this world. People graduate 
and I heard you say this on another broadcast, York. They start doing things, and they're programmed, and they don't even know that they're, they're following Ignatius Loyola's spiritual exercises. What is a, what is a postmodern? A postmodern is skeptical, and they love debate. They love to get into, into a debate. You see, my faith is not up for debate. I don't debate. I don't debate abortion. I don't debate uh, creation versus evolution. They're fools. I mean, I am not afraid to look in their eyes, and you mean to tell me that you actually believe this? It's insanity. And postmodernism, you see, I didn't, I am 71 years old. And by the grace of God, I didn't go to college. But I'm going to tell you something. When I used to fly airplanes, postmodern thinking doesn't work. Because, see, you have to deal with facts. The airplane flies at a certain speed. It'll stall at a certain speed. And you don't, you, evidence matters. But a postmodernist with postmodern thinking, it doesn't matter. And if you talk to a postmodern, they go in circles. It's called circle reasoning. They take you in circle. And that is what we're up against. When you're so, talking, so. When, you're talking to, when you're talking to somebody that's been to a Bible college, they're not going to listen to you. When you go into, I don't care. I don't, don't, just, 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 just don't pick on Rome, on, on, on Catholicism today. I don't care what church you go into. You're there to, you don't have freedom of conscience, and you are there to listen and be a recorder. You're not to question. And I'll tell you what, what happened in the Reformation and the protest. See, a protestant, even a lot of people in this country, especially America, lived and died and never thought about the Pope. But they questioned things. They were able, you, you can't question these, these left. And, we're, and I'm going I'm to go out on the limb here to, today and I'm going to just tell you who the next president of the United States is going to be. It's going to be Hillary Clinton. You can take that to the bank, and I hope I hope I have to I have to eat some crow. But man, I can you can see the things coming about. It's just as clear as a bell. And so it's time for us. Let no man deceive us. No, no, don't let anybody twist your crank. I'm going to tell you something. I never did answer that email. I never, I did answer. I kept asking, you know, what is the definition of idolatry? And you know why? You know why I'm stuck on this right now? Because that's the problem in America. 
The more the more Romanism you get in a country, the more idolatry you get. Idolatry. And the, and, and and then it's proven fact. You have more crime. And why is because our young people today don't even know what idolatry is, and I didn't either. And don't forget that idolatry leads to sodomy. That's right, and that's and why. There you got, and there you got your explanation for the worldwide gender agenda they are playing right now. That's exactly. That goes. That goes hand in hand. Read Romans, the first chapter. This is something that struck me when Tom did the reading of Romans and um, Romans 13 and also uh, on some other place he, he was explaining um, the Ro idolatry, one, idolatry yeah, the idolatry, how it goes together with, um, with sodomy. He said, Romans is the first book in the New Testament after we have the testimony of Jesus Christ seven years um, ministry and then you have the book of the apostles I think Acts and then the first is Romans where Paul went to the Romans read Romans chapter 1 it is so clear the connection between idolatry and um, sodomy that Paul used this explanation to the Romans while he was there and uh, told the people that their idolatry will also be their downfall. That's what you can read in Romans chapter 1. Please go down and read that. And if you think there is not a cure so-called for sodomy, there is. God tells us the same. It all comes down to this. When you degrade God to a man-made image, then God will also degrade you. And degrading, sodomy is nothing else than degrading. Yes. Degenerated. Degenerated people. In, 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 the, in the, you know, today the modern minister who has got a degree in counseling and psychology, you know, will want to say, don't point, when you point a finger at somebody, you've got three pointing back. That's Jesuit casuistry and sophistry. Well, the Bible tells us, God, God tells us, to, we are fruit inspectors. We just are point fruit. five fingers at another person, you know, then you don't have that discussion anymore. You know, the, and, and the thing of it is, is to, is to realize, <clears throat> is to realize what idolatry is. So just look around. Just look around at the idolatry in this country. Everywhere, Walt. Also here in Europe. Oh yes, yes. And it's the, the same. It's the same everywhere. Don't just pick the United but, States. Well, <laughs> no, no. Well, it's it's. There's probably more so over there. I mean, in other words, and you know, because you see, you see, there's parts in Europe, like down in Bavaria. It, it's never the Protestant Reformation never made it down there. Okay. No, that's true. So, so, so there's parts in in, in Europe, and and you know, God bless you, uh, York. I mean, you know, you're you, you know. You, 
lives 18 miles from the, uh, the capital of the European Union, and the European Union is Roman Catholic. Hitler, Hitler, it, 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 was, it, it was Hitler's dream. The European Union, and, and Hitler came, where did he come from? He come from Bavaria. He was a Roman Catholic, and he wasn't even a German. You know, Hitler spoke of a new world order. And he spoke of a new world order. And we, and we got a president. We've had a president now, and, and you know, and it, it's it, it's going to be, we've had a president. We don't even know where he was hatched out. I mean, I mean, we know he's, we, we know his, uh, uh, um, his birth certificate is, is, is phony. We know that, you know, but it just shows you, it just shows you, you know, the more I, the more control, the more idolatry, the more Romanism gets control, you know, and, 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 and what, what, what is the next thing they do? They go to civil power and the hammer comes down. That happens all through history. In America, in America, you know, God told us about the second commandment. God's judgment, you know, America is going to pay for this. You know, I'm, I'm not anti-American. I'm not anti-American. There's, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with America. But we've been overtaken. Rome runs this country. Lock, stock, and barrel, Walt. And that's a good moment to call it a day because our time has come up. Yeah, and we up. will we, we will continue next week in the reading of this uh, great booklet, the Vatican Jesuit Global Conspiracy. We ended today on page 24, and we'll now end the call because our time has run out. Walt, thank you very much for coming in and uh, all your explanation you did. And I hope you enjoyed it. I hope our listeners enjoyed it and our viewers of the video will enjoy it in the future. And by that, I wish you all a very nice day. And until the next time, God bless you. Bye-bye. God bless.